the sweet sound of the fan checkdown intro. Ah, it's good to be back. Welcome in to the fan checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network and to all those listening on the podcast as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. We are back. And uh, did we miss anything while we were gone, Donovan? Uh, I feel like that was a, a bit of a blur. A couple injuries, a couple bad officiating decisions. Oh, no, not again. Yeah, that story remains. Some college football bowl games that were pretty exciting and a lot of food. I don't know if I can do the show. I, I'm still in a food coma. <laughs> I'm half awake, so uh, if I nod off, that's why. Uh, for a peek behind the curtain, Donovan brought in dessert today because he didn't want to have them in his house anymore. Correct. <laughs> that is that is very much a thing that lots of people do. It's like, just get this out of my house um, because I know if I eat it, I'm going to put on 10 pounds. My fridge is like the New Orleans Saints salary cap right now. So it's just, it's just no, overflowing. Overflowing. There's no good options. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to get people to move their injury clauses and make space, and it's just... But you know what? It's my fault. Uh, I, unlike the NFL officials and Pittsburgh Steelers skill position players, I'm going to take some accountability because what I needed to do was get ahead of it and order the, like, very nice to-go trays that you can have. You can Mm. get them on Amazon or, you know, your favorite restaurant might have a couple extras and be like, no, actually, I have a to-go tray for you. You're going to take that meal that you brought so thankfully. Uh, So this is on me. My aunt does that. Christmas Day has a stack of the containers, and she says, all right, who wants leftovers? And that's what we did. It worked out very well, although I forgot mine there, so my mom had to take it home and (laughs) freeze it for me. But whatever, it's good. It's turkey, so it's awesome. Um, Okay, so we learned a lot this weekend about where teams are going to be situated, what teams are getting into the playoffs. The Baltimore Ravens laid an absolute beatdown on the Miami Dolphins as they clinched top seed in the AFC. Those same Dolphins are already in the playoffs, home and cooled, but they have a big one coming up against the Buffalo Bills, circle them wagons. Uh, The Chiefs and Browns, who I don't know if we'll get to them today, but definitely this week we're going to talk about them. Uh, I've all clinched playoff spots in the AFC. The Niners clinched the top spot in the NFC. Cowboys, Lions, Eagles, and Rams all clinched as well. So when we look at the playoff picture as a whole, six teams in the NFC still playing for two spots. And in the AFC, five teams playing for three playoff spots. So let's start with this Ravens team because they clinched in spectacular fashion. They win 56-19 over Miami. Lamar Jackson continues that MVP season, and there's no question he is the MVP. Five touchdown passes. He only had three incompletions and threw for 321 yards in that win on Sunday. The, The only question that I have with the Ravens right now is can Lamar Jackson overcome his playoff demons? Because there have been players that have much like my fantasy football teams, great regular seasons cannot perform when it matters in the playoffs. And so have you seen, because the one knock on Lamar in the playoffs was if you just take away his legs and the chargers famously in his rookie year were the team that did it, take away his legs. He can't beat you with the arm. Have you seen enough from Lamar as a passer this year with Todd Munkin there with the added weapons 
that you can say, I'm comfortable saying that Lamar Jackson can pass his way to a victory. I mean, he did prove it against the Dolphins, but over the you can do that in one game. Over the course of the season, is the track record there for you? Yes. And the scary thing about this Ravens offense is they're getting better, not worse. Even though they're steadily losing players or have overcome lost players throughout the year, it hasn't seemed to matter. They've scored 20-plus points in 11 straight games. You spot that defense 20 points, you're in good shape. They've scored more than 30 points in a game this year eight times. All of those times have been since week seven. What that says to me is... Todd Munkin has built this team, this offense, and added pieces throughout, and those players are starting to learn the system, and thus they are getting better over time. And Lamar just seems comfortable over time. He had a perfect passer rating for the third time in his career this past week. He's really doing most of his damage from the pocket. And for everyone who says, because there are question marks in terms of when the games get tough, given his playoff track record, as you mentioned, for everyone who says, oh, well, you know, small sample size. I mean, he can't really draw too many conclusions. It's not that many games. Yeah, it's a small sample size. He keeps getting bounced in the first round. That's why it's a small <laughs> sample size. You can't get a bigger sample size if you continue to lose as soon as you get to the playoffs. It's also a small sample size because he has, over the last two years, been hurt at the end of the year. Yeah. And this team hasn't had the chance with him at quarterback to make a long run. So we'll see. It's not just that they're beating teams at the end of the year. They're beating good teams, and they're beating good teams off of the field. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I put it this way. If you don't believe in the Ravens and that offensive, what do you believe in in the AFC? Yeah. yeah. There's not much to believe in in the AFC right now. It certainly feels that way. One of the teams that a lot of people were believing in was those Miami Dolphins, the team that got absolutely shellacked. Once again by a team with a plus 500 record. They have one win against an opponent with a 500 record or better. And that was against the the, the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. a game in which they should have lost. The Fraud Bowl. Yeah, the Fraud Bowl. Um, although the Eagles probably could have played in that too. That, to me, just speaks volumes about the Miami Dolphins as a team this year. And people will point to, well, they didn't have Raheem Mostert and they and they didn't have Jalen Waddle. And when that happens, you can really kind of key in on Tyreek Hill. And then they lost Bradley Chubb and Xavier Howard's probably not playing this week. And blah, 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 blah. I called this back when the Buffalo Bills beat the doors off of the Miami Dolphins. They are not a good football team in games that matter. And not only that, They're not a good football team when you play physical against them, which we've been talking about ad nauseum. And frankly, their defense stinks. Their defense just isn't good enough. Like, you can tell me that they were missing all these guys. They lost 56-19. It's not like they lost by 10. It's not like they lost by a field goal. They got their doors blown off. I do not see it. Like, could they go out and beat the Buffalo Bills this week? Yes. You know why I can see that? Because the Buffalo Bills have been as Jekyll and Hyde as anybody else. Here's the caveat. Josh Allen literally owns the Miami Dolphins. He's 9-2 and two in his career against them. We're going to talk about the Eagles as well here. Do we have to? 
Who wants to talk about the Eagles? Eagles fans don't want to talk about the Eagles. Well, the you know what? Eagles fans should uh, they should have to step up and and take their their lashes here because they talk so much smack about how great they are and oh nobody can stop the tush push and brotherly shove and all this wonderful stuff. Guess what? Your defense is horrible. <laughs> is that what someone from Philadelphia sounds like? No, they talk like this. It's very mean sounding. I don't know how to do a Philly accent. I can certainly do a Brooklyn accent. But anyway, besides the point, the point is this. Both of those teams who have Super Bowl aspirations can't stop a nosebleed on defense. And their offense is kind of like, yeah, some days we're good. Some days we're bad. Here's my question to you. Which team are you more concerned about right now? Oh, uh, oh no. I had to wake you up pre- for this uh, one. You did. You asked me this pre-show and. I groaned at the question then. I wanted question, to give man, you time to now. figure it out. Although you were very adamant that you knew the answer pretty much immediately. Well, I mean, I do know my I, answer. By the way, I do not know the answer to this. I told Donovan to not tell me. The, the truth is there is no good answer because they both have serious issues. Potentially fatal flaws, although I think one, one's worse than the other. The Miami Dolphins. Their defense was playing well, but their defense is hurt. And they're losing secondary members. It seems like every snap. They lost Jalen Phillips earlier in the year. Now they lose Bradley Chubb, who essentially was a game wrecker for them down the stretch. They lose him in a game that is not close. At the end, you hate to see it. Uh, torn ACL, so his year is done. And, and most of next year. Yeah, right. Good point, given the time of the year that the injury happened. But my greater questions with them are offense, because this is a team that has been known for its offense, and we've questioned whether or not that pace with which they play, both how quickly they run, but also how many times they get snaps in quickly you know, on a possession. Can you do that away from home? Their home road splits both in wins and losses in offense, production are terrible. And can you do that when it's the playoffs and the weather's a bit bad and the fact that you run a 4-3 all over the place doesn't necessarily matter if you're doing it in a blizzard. But now I have a greater question watching them against the Ravens' defense, and you saw those windows get smaller and smaller and Mm -hmm. smaller to the point where they were non-existent, and it was either interception or hospital pass. For the last two quarters of that game, we talked about Tua and the fact that, oh my goodness, he's throwing farther than anybody else and he's getting the ball out of his hands faster. Those two things don't go together. It's really difficult to defend. His anticipation is so good. And now I wonder, is it anticipation or is it predetermination? Mm -hmm. And are you in such great looks because your play caller is... A1, and the threat of the speed that you have offensively and the pace at which you play means you're getting a lot of very soft, very basic defenses. So you're able to predetermine where that ball's going. But when you play a Ravens defense, it's like, yeah, you know what? Like, motion all you want. We we don't care. Mm-hmm. We're just going to line up, and wherever you end up, we're going to hit you. Um, uh, he started to make some bad decisions. So that's my worry about the Dolphins. As you can tell, I'm filibustering and not answering your question. I'm fine with that. My issue with the Eagles is they just don't have the players. Like, this is a defense that was supposed to be able to to get after the passer 
and harass them. And based off of that, cover up the fact that they've lost some people in the secondary and maybe they weren't as good in the secondary as we thought they were. And they got healthier in the secondary and they're still not good. And they made acquisitions in the secondary and they're still not good. This defense, in terms of sacks last year, was historic. 70 sacks last year. Take a while, guess how many they have this year? 40. 41. Look at you. So I don't know if you are going to be able to change that golf. And I actually think it's hard to have a downgrade from a defensive play calling standpoint, the way they looked. But actually, their defense has been as bad, if not worse, with Matt Patricia. So those are I'm things. I'm stunned by this well, development. Nobody's stunned by this but development. Those are things that are not getting better, right? No. The, Jonathan Cannon's not walking, not walking through, through that, that door. door. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm more concerned about the Eagles. And even when they took the lead late, but there's still time on the clock. I don't know if you were watching the broadcast at the time. They cut to Eagles fans in the crowd. They looked terrified. Good. They knew Good. their defense about time. could not stop the Rams, the 49ers. They could not stop the Arizona Cardinals, who we're not sure really want to win at this point. Yeah. They actually cost themselves a couple draft picks because uh, uh, draft pick slots because they won. Yeah. It, it's the Eagles to me, they remind me a lot of the Minnesota Vikings of last year. Okay. They won a bunch of games that were close. And they got blown out in a couple games, and you're looking at it going like, okay, is the record really what the record should be? Their point differential is 22. That's that's not good. No. That their point differential, uh, sorry, their their points given up right now. Like if you if I had to tell if you had to tell me where they rank in points given up this year, what would be your guess? Uh, twentieth. In points given up? Yeah. So like 20th worst, you're saying? Correct. Yes. Okay. So they have given up the fourth most points oh. in the NFL. That's And you gave them a low number. I did. Like you said they were about 12th, basically, in points given up. They're fourth. They've given up 401 points. For a team that is 11 and 5, that screams Minnesota Vikings of last year. Defense can't figure it out. Offense has to bail them out. And on the games that the offense can't bail them out, well, the defense certainly isn't doing it. They're fraudulent. They're just, if Jalen Hurts is not tush pushing his way to two touchdowns and not turning over the ball, that's how they're going to win. But that's not something that, I mean, the tush pusher. But Jalen Hurts hasn't had an MVP caliber season either. His turnover numbers are way higher than they should be for a quarterback that is making a lot of money and is expected to be the guy. The, he They were supposed to win the Super Bowl this year. We got close, blah, blah, blah. They didn't have the horses coming back. We knew that. But I also didn't see their defense taking this much of a step back. But it's the way they've taken a step back because this was a defense that was supposed to out-physical you. This is a team that's supposed to out-physical you. They can't stop the run. Even stopping the run is is, is pretty simple. It's, it's numbers and it's will. You apply more people to the box to stop it, 
or you just stop them at the point of attack and you're the stronger person. They're applying more numbers to the box and they still can't stop the run. And we're talking about James Conner and the Cardinals gashing them. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, Kyler Murray, he's a, he's a running quarterback. It's really tough. He rushed for 24 yards. It was Michael Carter. It was James Conner. And so if you can't stop the run against the Cardinals in a got-to-have-it situation, well, let's just look ahead to the playoffs. You going to stop Christian McCaffrey and the Niners? Are you, are you going to stop? The- you got to stop even Rash- – I mean, Rashad White hasn't been great lately, but you got to stop Rashad White if you're playing the Bucs? You're playing Detroit. Yeah. Gibbs and Montgomery? Yeah, have fun with those guys. Good luck. You you mess around and get a matchup at some point with the Rams or the Seahawks. Walker, Kyron Williams, right? Th- those matchups aren't as likely because it looks like they're not going to be the two seed, but you never know because Dallas could uh, slip with the Washington Commanders in the last week of the season. The point is, in the NFC, unless essentially you're playing Dallas, who refuses to run the ball consistently, with Tony Pollard, you got to be able to stop the run on early downs, and they have not yet shown the ability to do it. So the Eagles give up the 21-6 lead to the Cardinals. At 21-6, I'm like, that's a blowout. It's done. Okay, we can move on from this one. And I had, I was honestly not paying attention to the game. I had to go back to watch it to see what I had missed because I was like, ah, that game's over. And then I look at the score, and I'm like, what the heck just happened? Um, you mentioned your... Uh, and. The Eagles play the Giants, um, who I got a weird feeling that they're going to pull out a victory against the Eagles this week to really rub salt in the wound. Uh, you mentioned your Cowboys playing the Commanders with the division oh, in their hands. Hold, hold on, hold on. Before we move off the Eagles. Uh-oh. The Eagles are 1-4 in their last five. Mm-hmm. So anyone who thinks that they can win, you know. And by the way, this was the know. easier part of the schedule, Correct. part of it. Correct. Um, so they lost four of the last five. So good luck thinking they're going to win three in a row against the best teams. Um, more importantly, they are one four without Big Dom. Big Dom's. Oh boy, that's right. Yep, Big Dom suspension, as you all know, was until the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. So playoff time, Big Dom is back. Does Big Dom bring the Eagles swagger back? Well, he's Italian, so of course he will. <laughs> <laughs> he has to give. We're gonna start calling Dom Muscles Marinara. Um, it's been it's been a tough uh, month for Italians in the NFL. Big Dom gets demoted. Uh, Tommy DeVito. Tommy gets, DeVito gets demoted. I mean, he 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 tried to upsell and get an extra. Was it he 10, didn't end up 10K? going? He didn't end up going back and doing it for free. I mean, that's the least he could have done. I, well, that's bad business. You, bi- you big time them, then you gave them the services for free yeah. when you no longer were relevant. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, like Italians and football, that football, nobody looks and goes, Yeah, that guy's gonna be a star. Mm, doesn't really happen. Joe Flacco, although looks pretty good. Joe Flacco's had a had a great month. Get on the Joe Flacco. He's had some great analysis on NFL Network. I do like Mooch. He's a good guy. Um, so you mentioned your Cowboys playing the hapless Washington commanders who, who knows who's going to start a quarterback this week for them. Um, Sam Howell cost me a shot in the final. If I had started Bailey Zappi instead of Sam Howell two weeks ago, I would have been in the final. I would have got hammered, but still. Those were the only options? Well, when you lose Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow in the same year and J.K. Dobbins and Nick Chubb and Keaton Mitchell and Christian Kirk and shall I continue to go down the list? This is a no. dynasty league. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, the Cowboys going into this game, we know about, well, like you said to me before the show started, they lost that game they did. <laughs> against the Lions. They actually lost that game. Uh, thank you. Very, uh, Brad Allen is getting a lot of Texas barbecue, I'm sure. Um, he needs to... Get another line of employment. He's egregiously what bad. Are we, what are we doing? This is oh, sorry, I, him, his crew, because there's blame to go around. Remember the pass interference tackle going in. Not to say that, as, as we've seen, Marquez Valdez Scantling would have caught the ball anyways. Yeah. But the point is, maybe if you're Andy Reid and the Chiefs, you'd prefer to take the PI than him not be obstructed and have a chance to catch the ball. You'd rather first and goal at the one. That was Brad Allen's crew. Mm-hmm. We have the reporting, didn't report, numbers debacle, um, which, I mean, I think after watching it a thousand times, I, I know clearly what happened. Uh, we can get into that in a second. But earlier in the game, early in the quarter, they call a tripping penalty, which was supposed to be on Aiden Hutchinson, but it was applied against the Dallas Cowboys. If that penalty is adjudicated correctly, the game at that point is essentially over. So after the Cowboys won it, they applied the penalty incorrectly, and then the Lions won it, but then they (laughs) applied a penalty incorrectly incorrectly because they reported correctly, but he misheard or wasn't paying attention. It's just a mess, and it's it's one thing. There, there are decisions that are made that are bad officiating decisions every week in every game, and so when coaches say, you know what, we can't blame the officials, we can't leave it in their hands, I, I get it, but you actually can blame In this them. case, yeah. And you can leave it in their hands. when it, Something like a judgment call, it's super fast individuals, a lot going on, I get it. This is just attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Who was the penalty on? What team? Is it the team going this way or that way? Are we going backwards or forwards? They're not wearing the same color jerseys. This isn't hard. They're not. (laughs) A D lineman tripping someone, although doesn't often happen, if it does, how do you mistake that for an offense? But more importantly, hey, Mike McCarthy, are you awake at the switch? Like, you're not asking why your team's moving back? Are you coaching? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) So that's one. But then two, coaches not only go through these trick plays with the officials before the game. They literally bring them into the office. They put them on a whiteboard. They walk through them because often they're double-checking. Is this okay? Is this legal? And they'll get a yes, no. So Dan Campbell claims that he did that. It seems like Ben Johnson was trying to uh, confuse the Cowboys, and he confused the officiating crew. Because for those who didn't see it, offensive lineman Skinner, number 70, who's their sixth offensive lineman, was coming in throughout the game and had to declare that he was eligible. On they were and they were essentially setting this up. There he was playing right tackle, which is not a position you need to be eligible for. They were moving the tackle over to the left side to play tight end, which you had to be eligible. There's number 68. And so he was reporting. The Lions were hoping the Cowboys assumed that it was somebody else, which is why they sent three offensive linemen to the official to report. 68 and 58, Penny Sewell. I was thinking even if it is announced, which it was, as 70, that they w- would be confused because it's 68 and 58. Evidently, the officials, my belief is, 
we're so used to saying 70 is eligible because 76 times prior came into the game and reported as eligible that they're like, oh, yeah, we've seen this before. 70 is eligible. But no, based on the formation on this plate, 68 needed to be eligible. Who You're even confusing yourself here. I saw the eye roll there. You're like, what am I Well, because I want to make sure I explain <laughs> it correctly because we you've don't done have a good visual job. aids. And, and the fact that they doubled down and they said, oh, no, no, no. The, the, they basically called three offensive linemen liars. That, yeah. No, no, you didn't report. You actually reported, and that's why it's your fault. So not only is it a penalty, it's a legal formation as well. Well, no, it wouldn't be a legal formation if you actually listened to reported in the first place. Adam Schefter has reported that they've been downgraded and won't be in the playoffs. Playoffs? Talking about playoffs? I'm trying to get a call right. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing games at all. Never mind a primetime game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Now here's here's where here's my issue with all. Like forget. Okay, they got the call wrong. That's fine. You're Detroit. You were very bold in going for two again after taking a five-yard penalty, you get an offside call. At that point, kick the extra point, man. Like, you are really playing with fire right now. Well, no, at that point, they're pot committed. And we're going for it on the seven, and then now we're back to the two. They're definitely going again. Okay. So that- I was surprised that they were going for it on the seven, although not surprised because this is double down Dan. Yeah. But he became triple down Dan and went for it again. But this is this is how he coaches earlier in the game. The reason why the game is relatively close is how many they, times they went for it and didn't get it on fourth down earlier in the game. But also, they in their own end around the thirty fake punt again. Yeah, have a linebacker throw a, a dime. Yeah, just drops it in the, the pocket. <laughs> and so this is this is this is who they are, and they, and they love them for it. The thing though is there is a butterfly effect to this. The Lions don't win the game. And for all those who say, well, Jared Goff had a chance to win the game and he threw the ball low and inside. And- okay, that can we, before you go on there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because I want to talk about that. Why is the play, like after you've been pot committed, you threw to an offensive lineman. Yeah, caught it. You threw to, was it Laporta? The one, it was Laporta. Fine with that. On the one that ended up being offside. Then you get back down to the two-yard line and you throw to backup tight end James Mitchell. What in the name of all things that are holy is that call? You want to win a game? Put it in the hands of Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. I've named you four guys that I'd rather have be on the ball in that situation. And I can give you Jamison Williams and I can give you Josh Reynolds, seven guys. I would rather have the ball in their hands when the game matters than James Mitchell. I don't care that the throw was low. That's not who the ball should go to. You know who agrees with you? Dan Quinn. Cause he was, he was not going to, if your argument is, is James Mitchell shouldn't be in the game. What? what okay, fine. Granted, but once he is in the game, he was open. And, I get and, it. and the defense takes away the more threatening options. Then you have to throw it to the guy who's open. But I don't, and I don't even know that he scores. Even if that throw is online, it's close. Yeah, it is. Because everybody's like, "Oh, he's automatic." No, no, no. He's not automatic. He's he's not Sam Laporta. He's not Amon Ross. He's not Jameer Gibbs. Well, he's not any of those guys. There's a reason why he's risky. Yeah, and anyway. if he's he Tony Pollard, he'd find a way to get tackled at the one. Yes. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, that's okay. No, it's it, it was. A, 
a good point. But for those who say, despite who got the ball, oh, well, Jared Goff choked in that moment anyways, and they could have won it later, and they didn't. Fine and fair and true. But that's not the point because Jared Goff would have been doing a post-game interview if the original call on the play prior was correct because the game wouldn't have been over. He wouldn't have had the chance to have an incompletion because the game would have been over. And the ripple effect, what bothers me is it's not just this game. It's not just these teams. The San Francisco 49ers this week are essentially going through training camp because the one seed is wrapped up. Christian McCaffrey, who has a leg injury, he's essentially has two weeks off because the one seed is wrapped up. That would not be the case if it's gonna work out, it's gonna work out to three, really. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. The 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 that would not be the case if the Lions had one. Now it impacts the Lions because they're probably gonna have to go back on the road to Dallas to get to a conference championship game, assuming Dallas is the two-seed and Dallas doesn't choke in the first round. The Lions now have a tougher first-round opponent because they dropped to the three. Like, this impacts so many other things. We have to get these calls right, and again, I've said it before, and maybe it doesn't change this case, but when it's process-oriented and not just an eye test, you've got these, like, elderly old men running around officiating like these freak athletes in the prime. Like even that I've never really understood how that's a thing, but when it's so process oriented, why are these people not full-time officials? Well, especially with the, like we talked about with the money that's made, it's a billion with a B dollar industry. And guess what? There's also billions, dollar, billions of dollars with a B on these games, whether it's, Fantasy, daily fantasy, gambling. So, like, at this point, we we can't play around with this anymore. We need to get these calls right when they're so obvious. 100%. And what I think the NFL should be doing is making these jobs full-time and then scouting play like former players, much like, and it's a, it's a little bit different, but you're talking from an athleticism standpoint. Do The NHL does it. They have scouting combines, and their thing is they want former players who understand the game and not all former players understand the game. I want to make that abundantly clear. There are a lot of guys that don't know the rules, but they all skate. Well, they're all in peak physical condition. If you had NFL officials that had that, maybe you would have less of an issue. And I'm not talking former NFL players. I'm talking guys that are just out of college that aren't making it. Sure. Those are the guys. And if you're offering 150 grand to officiate and that's a full-time job, I'm pretty sure they would do it. Yeah. I, 100%. Listen, these players and these coaches, they say one thing remotely critical of the officials is a fine. Yeah. Immediately. Well, well Jared Goff, I'm probably going to get fined. I don't know if I'm going to get fined for this. Like, that's how he started his answer yeah. on that call. But yet, the officials can skate by. We rarely know the names. We only know the name now because it's it's like – an egregious case where it keeps happening week in, week out with this crew, and there's there's no accountability. There's there's none whatsoever. And if I'm a player, it would be infuriating. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll chat a little bit about the Buffalo Bills and kind of get set for, you know, the Sunday Nighter, which let's is a big go. one. The AFC East championship game. 
Can we, is it too late to bring in a sponsor, like brought to you by Aflac or something like that? Brought to you by Tostitos and Pop-Tarts, yeah. It's, it's, Austin said it's gonna Pop-Tarts. Be, it's going to be a bowl game. Can we get like some roses, like Josh Allen uh, on the stage with like a rose in his teeth no. after he wins? We need something. No, we don't. I don't want that. A Pop-Tart, mayo. This is going to be like a college do, football bowl game. You can't do mayo. Will Levis isn't there. You can't put it in his coffee. Oh, yeah, uh, right. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about the scenario in which the Buffalo Bills don't get into the playoffs with a potentially 10 and seven record. This is, I'm living my nightmare. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the fan check down on the Sportsnet radio network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network and wherever you get your podcasts. So there, so the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins will take part in a winner. Winner gets the title match. Well, you get a division title. Doesn't mean anything because as a Bills fan, I've seen a few of these. First day back. The range of outcomes (laughs) for your Buffalo Bills. It literally can be glory or death. Those are the only, like, it doesn't, I mean, there is an in-between, but it doesn't feel like that. So before we get into kind of what, and that's going to be a Sunday, the Sunday night matchup. And I was looking at the games and I, and my dad says to me, he's like, so when do you think they're going to play? Cause my dad's, my dad goes to bed early. He's, <laughs> he's an old man. And uh, I was like, dad, they're playing, they're playing eight twenty. He's like, do you think so? I was like, the only other game that could supersede that is Colts and Texans because it's literally a win and you're in for those two teams. It doesn't have the stars. But it, does, it doesn't have that. It's not for a division. So I was like, and sure enough, A20, NBC, Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth. You can hear about how great Mike McDaniel is all night. <laughs> we'll see at the end of the night. Now, so there is a scenario in which the Buffalo Bills, if they lose at 10 and 7, will not make the playoffs. And that scenario is this. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who play the backup Baltimore Ravens, I would assume Lamar Jackson is not playing. That would feel like it would be silly. But Pro Bowl quarterback, Pro Bowl reserve, Tyler Huntley, will probably get the start. If the Pittsburgh Steelers, led by Mason Rudolph, who will start with a healthy Kenny Pickett, Mason leads Santa Claus to deliver all the presents for the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They win, and the Jacksonville Jaguars win against the hapless Tennessee Titans. Sorry, Austin. Without probably Will Levis, the Buffalo Bills lose that game. They are out of the playoffs. I can't handle this. So the only wilder range of outcomes we have is the Atlanta Falcons, your Atlanta Falcons. The lover of the NFC South that you are. There's still a chance two teams get in here. Uh, sure. There, that's and true. So you're saying there's a chance. The Atlanta Falcons with a win could potentially win the division, get in the playoffs. With a loss, they could potentially have the eighth overall pick in the draft. That's how 
Wow. And we saw what they did with the eighth overall pick. They drafted a guy that they don't want to use. Oh, they're they're drafting. Well, they used him more this time, this week, but they're drafting a flag football team. Is what the Falcons are doing. <laughs> they're getting them ready for the Olympics in that's Los right. Angeles. <laughs> that's exactly right. So we're, we're it, sending the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Blank will be thrilled about that. So if you're the Baltimore Ravens, and if you are looking across the AFC and thinking, who are we really afraid of? Who on their best day could beat us? And you think, oh, it's Buffalo Bills. And how is one of the ways the Buffalo Bills might not make the postseason? By us punting on the game in week 18. Uh, I never thought about that scenario. I don't love it. Actually, I hate it, to be honest with you. I mean, it goes against their mindset. Yeah, that's not a John Harbaugh We run to thing. the fight. And also, you wonder if they want to continue to pad stats for Lamar Jackson as he makes a run for the MVP. But in this conference... A year ago, with nothing to play for, Brandon Staley said, we're playing our guys. We're playing our guys. And he proceeded to hurt his guys and then hurt his chance to advance in the postseason, which they did not. I don't know how the Ravens play it. Like, neither. Maybe Lamar plays a half. Because then, it, then they're off for essentially three weeks. If he doesn't play this week, he's off for three weeks. I don't know that you want Lamar Jackson going into the playoffs having had three weeks off where he's not playing in a game. That's a lot. But even if he plays a half, it only takes one play for someone to get shoved into his kneecap and... And Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley starting for you. Right. <laughs> I will never forget that. So the, so that scenario sucks. Um, as we look at the other potential scenarios here... The so the Dolphins, Bills, uh, Jaguars, Texans, and Colts all control their own destiny. It's win, and while well, the Dolphins are already in, but they will win the division. Obviously, in the NFC, the Cowboys, Buccaneers, and Packers all control their destiny. Of those teams that control their own destiny, who is the biggest surprise at where they are right now, good or bad? Because you've got the Dolphins fighting for the division title, which, I mean, you and I both thought was in the bag a while ago. The Bills, who are not really where we thought they would be. The Jags, who looked home and cooled after five weeks, or after a five-game winning streak, were like, oh, boy, the you know, people are talking about them as a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Then there's the Texans and the Colts, who you and I both had. I mean, I had more expectations for the Texans than I did the Colts. But the Colts have played out of their minds. And so have the Texans and managed to get there without having C.J. Stroud for two weeks. Then you've got the Cowboys, which, I mean, is less so. The Bucks, better than we expected. And the Packers, who win and you're in. Is there a team that stands out to you as the surprise that they are where they are? I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. Sure. Because earlier this year, we were thinking, okay, so Jordan Love, not the answer. at QB. After two or three weeks, he looked like the answer. And then it did not look like the answer. Correct. Maybe LaFleur isn't that good of a coach. All of a sudden, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. He's not a good play caller. The plays were on point last night. Jordan Love is on a heater right now. He's had two-plus pass TDs and zero INTs in six of his last seven games. 
That's a formula that will get you somewhere in the postseason. Have questions over that defense, certainly. And if Jair Alexander is actually a contributing member of that football team or just like a mole to try to tear down from the inside. However, on offense, let's think about it. We've never seen their complement of skill position players all healthy at the same time. Either Watson was injured, which is like always, yep. or Aaron Jones has been injured. Reed now looks like he took a knock last night. Dobbs has been maybe the closest thing to a consistent contributor. But if they get all those skill position guys going at the same time with the way Jordan Love is distributing the football, they would be scary. For me, it's the Green Bay Packers because, remember, they were in this situation last year. And they lose to the Lions Mm -hmm. at the end of the year, and that's how Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay ends. They're in the same situation with Love playing better now than Rodgers was a year ago. If you asked me two months ago or even at the beginning of the season if I thought that was the case, the answer certainly would have been no. So Jordan Love, since week 11, has 16 passing touchdowns, tied for first in that stretch. He has one interception. Wow. He has a pro football focus grade of 88.8. That is second in that stretch. So Jordan Love is on the precipice of throwing for 4,000 yards this year. He has 3,843. He has 30 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions, and obviously they came in the first 10 weeks because he's only had one since week 11. Jordan Love is going to do all of that without a 1,000-yard receiver. And there are many fans from other fan bases that just say, we hate you, Green Bay fans. Yeah. You have no idea what it's like not to have prosperity at the most important position in sports. They've had, if you're an adult, you've seen th- two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and now Jordan Love looks like he could be a future pro bowler. Won't put him in the Hall of Fame just yet. The Browns have had four quarterbacks this year. And the best one is the one they got off the scrap heap. Correct. Here's a question for you about Jordan Love. I didn't think we were going to get here, but here we are. What kind of contract does he get? Because they are not letting him go into next year without an extension. That's not happening. He's going to get more than $40 million. Well, I mean, NFL general managers can blame the Giants for giving... Daniel Jones, $40 million, because that now is below the floor. It's not the floor anymore. Yeah, it's a great question. Like, is he is he a $50 million quarterback? Because My, he's played better than Trevor. Like, he's played better than Trevor Lawrence. Okay? Now, yeah. the Trevor Lawrence sample size is bigger, but Trevor Lawrence's numbers, as we laid out on this show for you, are equivalent to Daniel Jones's numbers. There's no fear when you're playing against Trevor Lawrence. I said it to somebody yesterday, to a buddy of mine. Going into this week, I'm, I would rather play a beat-up Trevor Lawrence than a healthy C.J. Beathard right now if I'm the Titans. Wow. That's how I feel. Like I just feel like there's no fear there for Trevor Lawrence. Do I think that Jordan Love is going to get as much money as Trevor Lawrence? No, I don't. He doesn't have the hair. But Jordan Love is putting up numbers that Trevor Lawrence wishes he could put up. Listen, Trevor Lawrence is Daniel Jones with better branding. 
at this point. He's had and some, he went to a bigger school. Went to a bigger school and was picked in a higher threshold spot at number one, which means the organization has it in their best interest to make you something. But at some point, you then get off that when you realize your quarterback can only take you so far. See Jared Goff. Back to love. I mean, I, this is where we are. And I actually think it's the biggest team-building issue the league faces right now. There is no rhyme or reason as to what you pay your quarterback other than what did the last guy make and what can we give you to not have to think about this for the next three to five years. It could be an overpay. It could be not what you're actually worth. But if we have the quarterback position figured out theoretically, it's one less thing to think about. We could overpay, but at least we have fixed cost in terms of building our roster and it is appreciating. So the next quarterbacks who come up are just going to be that much more expensive. So it's actually not that much of a competitive advantage over the lifetime of the deal. Here's the problem. You are paying great money to good players. And if you continually do that, how do you build a roster around them that is going to get a good player into a great situation? And so as soon as the Packers pay Jordan Love, let's say 50 million, let's, let's, let's say 55. Now you have an inability to put players around him or keep players around him that make him the playmaker that he is. So unless you are, and this is, the, the scouting term is trucks and trailers. There are some players who drive and pull the organization and then there's others who are just along for the ride. Unless you have a truck at the position, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. If you're paying trailers the same as trucks, you're never going to beat the truck teams. Yeah. So, See the Dallas Cowboys. So here's the advantage that the Green Bay Packers have. They've, they've drafted really well at the wide receiver position. They have. Jaden Reed is, and is a star. And they're the youngest team in football. Yeah. Jaden Reed is a star. He's a rookie. Christian Watson, when healthy, is a very good player. I think Jaden Reed's a better receiver. He's in his second year. Malik Heath looks good. Romeo Dobbs has his moments. I think Bo Melton out of Rutgers had a great day the other day. They just signed him to the active roster. It's a very good group. Dontavian Wicks has had moments. Then you've got Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. Like It's a very good group. They spent at running back. And I don't know that Aaron Jones is going to be back next year. Probably not. I think that Jordan Love gets a contract that is more than Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson and less than the $50 million threshold. I think he gets $47 million. Okay. Pause. Sure. Now do their draft picks on defense. Oh, boy. Because it's the exact opposite. Well, they've hit on, like, Van Ness is, is really good. I really like him. I mean, Jair Alexander is a draft pick. Uh, Savage is a draft pick. Um, yeah, I would argue that neither of those have worked out. They had their, they've had their moments. Like Jerry Alexander was one of the best corners in football. Yeah, they also the just, last two years. They also just suspended him. I know for essentially standing in the middle of the field when a coin silly, was flipped. Silly stuff. Silly stuff. I, I get that, but my point is, I, it seems like there's a bigger issue there. 
But I think I think that nominating yourself a captain in your hometown. Yeah, it seems like they're tired of his act, or he is is self sabotaging the situation because he's tired of the fact that the big contract extension for him likely is not going to be there. Probably. Here's what I will say. If there's an organization that I trust will do well drafting defensive players, it's the Green Bay Packers. I think they've done a good job because they've had to because they've had Aaron Rodgers making a lot of money. They had Brett Favre making a lot of money as it pertains to percentage of the cap. They've had two of the best quarterbacks in football, so they've had to draft well on the defensive side. They've had to draft well, period, and they've had success doing that. I, I think the Packers will be fine, and I think that Jordan Love is probably at that number. Like, they've got other guys. Like, Devondre Campbell, again, when healthy, really, really good player. And their offensive line has played a lot better, especially lately. Like, they did a, they did an absolute number on Daniil Hunter the other night. But when they have won, historically, they've had the financial flexibility to go out and get a difference maker on defense via free agency. Reggie White, Julius Peppers, Charles Woodson, I don't know if they're going to be in that scenario anymore. So going into next year, let's pull this up here because we've got about 60 seconds or less here. Going into next year, the Green Bay Packers, 10 million in cap space as of right now. And we know they can make that 50 in, they just, you know, for those office fans out there, just write a Clevin. Clevin, uh, put in a Clevin, gets you home by seven. That's the salary cap in the NFL. Um, okay, that's going to do it for us today. That was a lot. Um, so tomorrow we'll have Adam Rank. I think tomorrow we'll also have Sean Merriman. Nice. I think. Just working on that one. Uh, and we've got lots to talk about. The MVP conversation, if, if we need to start looking at it a little bit differently. We're also going to talk about the Hall of Fame finalist class this week. Can we also talk about the fact that David Tepper is a jerk? Oh, man, we're definitely talking about that tomorrow. What a What a turd. All right, that's going to do it for us. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. Thanks to Austin behind the glass. This is the Fan Checkdown. Talk to you tomorrow.